right, everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Warning Track Talk podcast with your hosts, Dave and Dave. Yes, I am finally back after a few episodes away from the podcast. I am back and ready for some trade deadline action with all of you listeners on the Warning Track Talk podcast. So, Dave, there's a lot of movement that's been going on over the past 24 hours in the Major League Baseball trade world. Uh, to say the least. And um, what are your thoughts on the trade deadline so far before we really get into the nitty gritty of things? Well, before I talk about the trade deadline, I just want to say it is great to have you back, Dave. And we were talking about before the podcast, I don't like my voice was getting so dry from doing 30 minute podcast that it was like I was drinking a whole bottle of water at the end because I was just constantly talking. But it's great to have you back because now I can, you know, talk for five minutes and get a drink and then talk again for five minutes. It's great. So the flow is back. I'm feeling great. A lot of energy today, Dave. A lot of energy here at 1134 on a Tuesday morning. And you may ask, well, why is there all this energy? Well, the MLB trade deadline is here. 6 p.m. coming up. The Phillies have not done anything yet besides getting a Mundo Sosa. So they haven't done anything today or yesterday or really anything at all as of recently. But Dave Dombrowski is always working up something, so we're hoping that a deal gets done soon. But a lot of stuff is going on in Major League Baseball. Juan Soto is about to get traded, uh, most likely. Uh, Josh Hader goes from the Milwaukee Brewers to the San Diego Padres. Frankie Montas from the Athletics to the Yankees. So a bunch of big moves happening all around Major League Baseball. I know that a couple episodes ago, I recapped the Luis Castillo trade, uh, but there's been so much more happening since then, and it just seems like it's a palooza going on around Major League Baseball. It's crazy. The trade deadline really before yesterday was extremely slow and boring besides the Luis Castillo and Tyler Naquin trades, and all of a sudden, the stove is hot. Uh, a lot of things are happening. Players are flying off the market. We're hoping the Phillies can get a player soon here, uh, but it's crazy and it feels great. It's truly like Christmas. It's one of my favorite times of year. Feels like Christmas morning, uh, and a lot of stuff is happening here on the Warning Truck Talk podcast. A lot of stuff is happening in Major League Baseball, too. Right, and I mean, if, if you're somebody who's just an overall fan of Major League Baseball, then this is definitely a trade deadline that's suited for you because there's been a ton of movement, there's been a ton of trade chaos, and a lot of these Major League organizations that are ready to compete are willing to part with uh, these prospects, and it shows in uh, some of these deals. And uh, some other deals, just to highlight real quick, we had the Astros trading for uh, catcher Christian Vasquez of the Red Sox and acquiring first baseman slash outfielder Trey Mancini of the Orioles. And they're another team that I wanted to talk about. You know, the Orioles, um, they're a team who's been hovering around 500, who would have thought um, at this point in the season. And uh, the Orioles decide that they're going to be um, sellers at the trade deadline. And that's the way that they were with Trey Mancini and then uh, <clears throat> and then George Lopez. Also, uh, an all-star closer of Baltimore who got traded to the Twins to help upgrade their bullpen. So, uh, Baltimore fans, definitely probably mad. Uh, actually, you know what? That's 100%. Uh, I-, I would be furious if I was a Baltimore fan. So, uh, yeah, Trey Mancini goes to the Astros. And the, the Astros have been um, one of the noisier teams around baseball in terms of trades. Uh, the New York Yankees have been no exception as well, picking up some starting pitching, uh, some relief pitching, uh, going after guys like Andrew Benatendi. So uh, the Yankees have been very loud, and now the Padres are seemingly shaking up the trade market too. And we'll get into that in just a bit. But um, the Boston Red Sox, they've been sort of a team who looks like 
They're going to play a little passive-aggressive here. They're going to be a little bit of a buyer and a seller. I know there's been rumors about Jackie Bradley on the move, but um, nothing is for certain yet. Um, Boston also traded for Tommy Pham, a little bit of offensive support out there in the outfield. They're also thinking about getting rid of J.D. Martinez, but it seems that his price is too high, and I think it is personally because of his age. So um, we'll, we'll see what happens on that front. Boston's a very interesting team. They also have Nadia Avaldi, who uh, just had a really good outing, so uh, we'll see what comes with that. But really, Dave, where I want to sit before we get into Philly's news is uh, with San Diego or Slam Diego, whatever you want to call San Diego. Um, they've been very noisy as of late, and um, they've they've been absolutely amazing at the trade deadline, blindsiding a lot of teams with a monumental trade that came yesterday in the afternoon when they acquired Josh Hader from the Milwaukee Brewers. And really, I thought it was... Um, a trade for two imploding relievers. Now, Josh Hader is obviously a really good, um, a really good closer, um, but I believe, I believe Taylor Rogers wasn't doing the best either. So this was sort of a swap just to hope that San Diego can get a little bit more out of Josh Hader, in my opinion, over Taylor Rogers, who um, was really good at the beginning of the season for the Padres and ended up sort of imploding towards the uh, latter half of the um, middle of the season here. Um, but really, I don't know. I, I, I don't know how I feel about it. I think Josh Hader is going to be just fine for San Diego. Uh, I think that the Milwaukee Brewers have the insurance to be able to get rid of Hader. Now, I know you're looking at a position where maybe Milwaukee is, you know, a, a really good team, right? Their record shows that. They know how to win ball games, But they also have a bullpen where you can potentially call up Devin Williams to be your, you know, front man for the closing position and then maybe have Taylor Rogers uh, slide in your eighth spot to set up games or whatever have you. And I, I think that's the way that the Brewers go with this situation, uh, being that Hater is now shipped out. Um, but, you know, the, the Milwaukee tries to get their fans to buy into this whole thing by saying that, you know, they're setting up for the future. And, you know, they're trying to main, maintain this winning way without having to really go into a full rebuild and stuff like that. But um, overall, I think Milwaukee will do just fine without Josh Hader. Um, it'll just give Devin Williams, their, their younger guy, a little bit more, uh, leeway to get a little bit more experience in that closer role. But, uh, Dave, I guess I'll end it there. I don't want to get on too much of a tangent, um, uh, about the major league trade deadline market here. Uh, well, what are your thoughts on, uh, Josh Hader and that trade? Um, or some other teams that you want to mention that have been pretty noisy as well? Well, the Josh Hader trade uh, is – I think it's good for both sides. Uh, I think the Padres get a closer who's going to help them win now. And they apparently, according to John Morosi, uh, are in multiple other reports. They are on the verge of acquiring Juan Soto. The deal is in the final stages as of the time we are recording this. Uh, and I think that that helps them win now. Uh, as you said, Dave, Taylor Rogers has been struggling as of recent. So has uh, Josh Hader. But I think that Josh Hader has more of a consistent – uh, stat line that you can go off of in terms of how dominant he can be. And for that reason, I think the Padres just felt more safe getting Josh Hader. Uh, but I think the Brewers, they'll take Taylor Rogers. As you said, Dave, Devin Williams is going to get chances to save. And I think that the haul they got back is going to help them for the future. 
rather than just the now. Uh, and the Brewers, they like pitching, and they're going to get some pitching back, uh, of course, for Josh Hader. Um, but just talking about the Padres for a little bit, and this is what happens, Dave, when you go through a rebuild and actually acquire prospects that are going to help your team in years to come. Uh, and you're seeing the Padres did everything right. Yes, they went through a rebuild. Yes, they went through the most difficult times. But now they hold a top three, I would say top three hitter in all of baseball. Maybe you can even put them higher than that at sometimes in Juan Soto. Uh, and, you know, combine him with Manny Machado uh, and some other talented hitters they have in that lineup. Jay Cronenworth and uh, Fernando Tatis, who was on his way back. And they're going to be dominant for a very, very long time. Uh, and you just look at the way, you know, how this deadline, I know we haven't talked about the Phillies too much yet, but the Phillies are still dealing with the effects of the last 10 years of everything they've dealt with, with Ruben Amaro trading away pieces in 2011, 2012 to get veterans to hopefully help the team. Then you see that continuing to push down the line with Matt Klintak and Andy McPhail coming in and getting rid of top prospects and, you know, maybe not per se getting rid of all the top prospects, but drafting players like Mickey Moniak and Cornelius Randolph who do not pan out in the major leagues when there were players who went underneath them that are significantly better talents in major league baseball as of right now. And we're still dealing with those effects. And Dave Dombrowski, Brian Barber, Sam Fold, and John Middleton, really, I know that John Middleton was here when Matt Klintek was here. So I'll just kind of say Dave Dombrowski and Brian Barber, they're trying to rebuild this farm system, and they're trying to do that while trying to compete for a World Series championship. And because of that, the Phillies have kind of just had to sit and wait for the perfect deal to come along. And it's a seller's market, so that perfect deal hasn't come along yet. Uh, and it's, it's extremely frustrating because the Phillies went through an extremely long re- rebuild, about as long or even longer than the San Diego Padres rebuild. And the Phillies are still behind them when it comes to prospects. And they'll probably still be behind their farm system even after this Juan Soto trade. So that's just how frustrating it is right now of that you, the Phillies relatively have no chance to get any big fish out there on the market because of the fact that they have no prospects. And the prospects they do have that are very good, Andrew Painter, Micabell, Griff McGarry, Logan O'Hoppy, the Phillies would rather protect them for a couple more years. Is that the right decision? Maybe, maybe not. But the point of the matter is, is just the fact that uh, the Padres are showing Major League Baseball teams how to rebuild properly and what it's come to. And they're most likely going to get Juan Soto. They got Josh Hader, and this is where they're at right now. So credit to them. Um, but it's definitely disappointing if you're a Phillies fan, because you should be like how I am kind of this morning saying the Phillies went through that same exact rebuild, that same pain we sat through, 2016 we sat through, and 100 losses. And close to 100 losses multiple times. And look where we're at. Still trying to rebuild the farm system in 2022 while trying to compete. So it's frustrating. But uh, credit to the credit to the Padres for everything they're doing at the trade deadline. Other teams that are active, I think the Blue Jays are going to make a splash pretty soon. I think that they're primed for something like that. I think the Mets are waiting. The Braves have been extremely active. They re-signed Austin Riley to a 10-year extension yesterday. Traded for Jake Odorizzi. Got rid of Will Smith. Uh, they were doing a lot of things right. Also acquired Robbie Grossman. The Yankees, they've been extremely active as ever. So have the Astros. So a lot of the big market teams are going at it just as I predicted and everyone pretty much predicted they would. Uh, and we're still waiting for the Phillies' first move here. I mean, I, I know they got him under Sosa, uh, Sosa. And I know that he's a very good defensive player. And the Phillies have him, uh, you know, locked up in the 2027. I get that. 
Um, but that's definitely not the move that is going to put this team any closer to getting towards their goal, which is, you know, to make the playoffs. But the overall mission is to do some damage in the playoffs. And they haven't done anything yet that that shows that um, they're close to that. Right. And um, it, it's it's the problem of, you know, o- over the past, well, you can really say decade, you know, the Phillies have obviously had problems scouting players. And, you know, it, it's it's a situation where now we're sort of stuck with the aftermath. They just like you said, uh, where right now we're still trying to rebuild that farm system. But the problem with it is that we're very top heavy and we lack depth. If we had prospect depth, it would make a world of difference for the Phillies to be able to go out and make the trades that they need to make in order to be a World Series contender. You know, and that's not to say that they can't become a World Series contender. You know, if you're willing to part with one of those top prospect pitchers that they have there, then maybe you're able to go out and get somebody significant. But, you know, uh, the Phillies, where their strengths are in the farm system, really seems to be in the starting pitching department, in the catching department. And, you know, it, it, other than that, it's it's been kind of bleak, you know, to say the least. So we'll, we'll see what the Phillies can manage to do in the upcoming hours before the trade deadline. Um, but overall, I, I think that the Padres are doing it right, Dave. Like you said, they're the type of team that's rebuilding. Um, well, not rebuilding. I don't even know what I'm saying at that point because the Padres are obviously uh, buyers in this market. Um, the, but the Padres, when they went to rebuild, did it the right way. That's what I wanted to say. And so having guys like C.J. Abrams, uh, a young outfielder, and Robert Hassel III, uh, James Wood, and other um, really young, promising names – those are guys that you need to be able to make a splash. And those are the type of players that seem to be involved in this Juan Soto deal. And what it seems to be is uh, through John Morosi on Twitter is he said the Nats are set to receive Abrams, Robert Hassel III, James Wood, Harlan Susana, all for Juan Soto and Josh Bell. So this is the way that the trade is uh, shaping up right now. Um, we'll see whether anything becomes official, but, um, after all this, you know, there, there are also just, you know, rumors from sources, whether, you know, you could decide whether you want to trust them or not. Um, but that's the way it's going. That return is embarrassing. It it is a a little bit embarrassing. That return is is very bad. Because you, you have a guy in Juan Soto who's a generational talent. So, I, you know, I get where you're going. And then you have Josh Bell, who's been having a really solid season and um, has been a lot of the uh, offense for Washington besides Juan Soto. So you're basically getting the entire Washington offense for a few guys that, you know, I mean, CJ Abrams, he's, he's going to be a serviceable, um, he's going to be a serviceable guy. You know, um, you have Robert Hassel III, who is a really good prospect to have James Wood as a power bat. So, you know, I, I see the upside in the trade. Um, I, I think, you know, for San Diego to get something like this done is absolutely amazing. Uh, so, you know, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm a San Diego Padres fan, aside from being a Phillies fan, right? Um, so me personally, I love the trade. Uh, I, I know this definitely shortens out their prospect depth in San Diego, but they're going after a World Series championship. And th- this is what they were built to do. So um, good on the San Diego Padres being able to do that. And then you have the, you know, of course, the Jeff Passan bomb where he's, you know, pretty much saying that it, they're finalizing the deal to acquire superstar outfielder Juan Soto. Now, 
with Jeff Fasson saying this, he's not bringing up anything about Josh Bell. So we'll we'll see what becomes official and what exactly shapes up from this trade. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how exactly the details sort of rattle out. And, uh, you know, who officiates it? I hope it's Jeff Passan with the Passan bomb. But um, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, like Dave and I mentioned, the San Diego Padres are doing it right. Uh, the Phillies need to get prospect depth and be able to do this kind of thing so that, you know, the Phillies can be a 100-win team so that they can go out there and become one of these super teams. Because let's be honest, the Phillies are in a market right now where they should be able to do this type of thing. You know, and being that we've struggled for the better part of a decade with acquiring talent for the depth in our farm system, it makes it difficult. And that's not to say that we're not repairing that right now because the Phillies are definitely on the road to repairing their prospect depth. And I think since we're in in the matter of contending and retooling at the same time, things become a little bit rough. Because on one hand, you don't want to go wasting the primes of your really talented players like Romuto, Harper, Segura, Schwarber, Castellanos, you know, those type of guys, because those are brand name talents, right? You don't want to, you don't want to have to waste guys like that. So um, it's, it's definitely a situation where you're going to need to press the button. It's just a matter of when. And I think, Dave, like you said, the Phillies are waiting for that trade package that falls into their laps. And, it, you know, th- that's kind of where the Phillies are at right now. And so that's why Dave and I, um, you know, we we think that the Phillies are going to go after some guys. I don't want to spoil anything as of late, you know, because of the predictions that we're going to have later on in the pod. But um, it, it doesn't seem that the Phillies are going to make a monumental splash. It seems like a lot of the big fish are really coming off of the market, especially since, you know, we have six hours really until the trade deadline's over. So expect a lot of guys to fly off the shelves right now and uh, even a little bit later. So um, it's going to be interesting uh, for the Phillies. We'll see what happens. And uh, I, I guess that brings us into some Phillies news, Dave, you know, like we talked about with. Well, uh, I just I just want to say one more thing really quick. Yeah, go ahead. Um, with the Padres. So the, the package is, uh, according to Bob Nightingale, because I just want to clear it up. And as the package comes through, you're, you kind of react to it at different times. It's not as bad as I thought it was, uh, but it is pretty bad. <clears throat> the Padres traded. Uh, Mackenzie Gore, C.J. Abrams, Robert Hassel III, James Wood, and Jarlin Susana for uh, Juan Soto and Josh Bell. Now, look, C.J. Abrams and Mackenzie Gore are already in the major leagues. I know Mackenzie Gore is hurt, I believe, but they are two really good players, and they're going to be good for a long time. Robert Hassel, I've heard good things about as well. I don't know as much about James Wood and uh, Jarlin Susana. I'm not so sure about those two guys, but, you know, I'm sure they're top prospects in, in the, you know, Padre system. But if you are a fan of the Washington Nationals, this, this is bad. I mean, this, this is, I mean, you get rid, and I know that the common Nationals response is, well, we won the World Series in 2019. And I get that. But think about how far the Nationals, and look, I'm a Phillies fan, diehard Phillies fan. So for me, you know, to see the Nationals do bad, I'm not too upset about it because in 2019, I would, you know, they were rubbing it in our faces that they won the World Series and I get it. And I would do the same thing. And the Phillies have won the World Series. But I mean, just to look at, I mean, you trade away Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, and Juan Soto and barely, I mean, barely get enough back to say uh, there's a future. And look, I know the Na- I, li- I like C.J. Abrams. I like Mackenzie Gore. I think Josiah Gray is going to be really good. 
But from a baseball standpoint, from a, a, a national standpoint, I, I just don't know how you, how you don't. I mean, Juan Soto is a once in a lifetime uh, generation player. And, you know, he's up, like I said, he's up there top three hitters in Major League Baseball. And you could even make an argument that he's up there top five, top three players in Major League Baseball. And this is the prospect package that you get back. I mean, I think it's, I think it's an okay package. I, it, like if Gore wasn't involved, I would have thought it was much worse. But I mean, still, I mean, I just, I, I'm, I'm, I'm really, it's really unbelievable to me. And it makes things significantly harder for the Phillies. Uh, they were catching up to the Padres in the wild card race. I think the Padres, uh, no one wants to play the Padres now. I'll tell you that definitely. Um, so it's 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 a tough day for 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 the Nationals. I mean, a real tough tough day because I mean that fan base already, uh, you know, didn't have much to look forward to, and you you take Juan Soto and 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 look, I, I think they're going to be good eventually at some point. The Nationals they have some prospects that you know, can play, but nowhere near what they should have gotten for the players. I mean, think about Trey Turner, Juan Soto, and Max Scherzer. I mean, think about it. And uh, that that's uh, that's just embarrassing for the Nationals. So, I mean, that's where I'll leave with that. Good job by the Padres, though. I mean, that's, that's a great job. That's a great, great job by the San Diego Padres to acquire Josh Hader and Juan Soto. Again, this is pure reaction. So, everything you're getting here is straight pure reaction from Dave and I. Um, but this is a crazy trade deadline, and the Phillies haven't even done anything yet. Right, yeah, de- definitely. I mean, nothing's scripted right now. Uh, Dave and I are just, you know, waiting for the reports to come in to, you know, be able to officiate things here on the podcast and, you know, keep you guys up with the latest and greatest news, obviously, because we're the Warning Track Talk podcast, and why not? But, you know, the this is going to be a full trade deadline episode, and uh, we're not going to short you guys on anything that we hear. Uh, we're going to let you know. Uh, but Dave, just in terms of the trade package, um, like you said, Juan Soto is a generational talent, right? And when you go trying to get guys to compensate for the talent that you're giving away in, you know, Mackenzie Gore, Abrams, uh, Robert Hassel III, James Wood, Harlan Susana, most of these guys are guys that are going to, they look like they're going to pan out in the major leagues, right? These are going to be major league ball players. Um, for a guy like Juan Soto, but then again, you're you're not getting that type of talent in return. You're not getting a Juan Soto or Fernando Tatis Jr. in return, and um, that's pretty much what it is. We know that CJ CJ Abrams is going to be a speed contact guy with a decent glove. Um, Robert Hassel the third looks like he might be something similar. Uh, similar to that, uh, he has a good. Uh, he has good hitting skills, though. Definitely a great bat. James Wood looks like a power bat for the team. Uh, defense might be kind of flawed. Um, Harlan Susanna, I don't know too much about him, but I do know Mackenzie Gore is going to be good. Um, but these are a lot of the these are a lot of players that do not scream Juan Soto in return. So uh, you're definitely getting decent players back for him, but I think it's more quantity over quality at this point. I mean, like I said, they're going to be Major League Baseball players in return, but it's not obviously going to be a scenario where you're getting a Juan Soto for a Juan Soto. So um, just in case anybody was wondering what type of trade return it will look like. These guys do look like they're going to be um, future major leaguers, and it does look like it's going to 
help Washington? Do, do I think it's going to hurt them more than it helps them? Who knows? We'll have to see how this pans out, Dave. But um, overall, uh, Juan Soto is uh, – <laughs> he's not going to be a Washington National. He's, he's uh, now going to be a San Diego Padre. He's going to slot in nicely in that lineup, I think. It adds a different dimension of offense. Obviously, when you go to add a guy like Juan Soto to a lineup like Slam Diego has, especially with guys like Fernando Tatis, who's well on his way back. He's been swinging the bat. And, um, you know, you have Manny Machado who's in there and, you know, Machado is going to be hitting. So um, Machado, Fernando Tatis, and now Juan Soto in the lineup. You know, it's just like – and Dave, like you mentioned, Jake Cronenworth. You know, get in the Crone Zone, baby. I mean, they have a great lineup, and I think um, they can pretty much go up against anybody and produce runs at this point, especially with Juan Soto now. So uh, it, it's interesting because I was also hearing stuff about um, Josh Bell on his way there too, but it seems like maybe that part of it fell through if there was even at all any um, you know speculation of that happening. Um, but I was just going to think to myself, you know, that creates more work for San Diego because then in that instance, you have to go trying to find a different home for Eric Hosmer then. Well, and there's then breaking what? news. Uh, Eric Hosmer <clears throat> will be going to the Nationals. Uh, and that's that was perfect timing. Uh, yes, in order was, for wow. in order for the Padres, I don't know if you did that on purpose or not, in order for the Padres to uh, get access to this minor league town, according to Joel Sherman, uh, the Nationals are taking on the huge contract of Eric Hosmer. I, I, Dave, I literally do not believe this is real. Like the just the Padres have completely, completely won this trade by about a million miles. Like the Nationals are are on a different planet. You just traded Juan Soto and Josh Bell, who's having a good year, and in order to get access to top prospects, you agree. To take on the huge contract of Eric Hosmer, but you won't pay a once-in-a-lifetime generation player in Juan Soto $500 million? I mean, that's absurd to me. Juan Soto is 23 years old, technically a prospect in his own right. And you have to bank on the fact that C.J. Abrams and Mackenzie Gore, who's hurt, by the way, with an elbow problem. So you don't know what that is. I believe it's some kind of elbow or shoulder, some kind of some kind of pain there. You have to bank on the fact that they're that they're going to become major leaguers because you just lost Juan Soto and agreed to take on the contract of Eric Hosmer. I mean, this is ridiculous. I mean, I, I, this is absurd to me. I tell you the truth, I don't even know how this deal is going to go through to the commissioner's office. I mean, obviously, it is going to go through. The Nationals agreed to it, but this is completely a one-sided trade, in my opinion. And I mean, I know it seems like I'm sticking up for the Nationals, but I'm sticking up for the Nationals fans because this is robbery. And look, trust me, I'm a diehard Phillies fans, and, and you know, I'm a diehard Phillies fan. Anything that goes wrong for the Nationals in terms of game standpoint. That's all well and good, but this is absurd. I mean, this is a bad trade for Major League Baseball, period, and it hurts the Phillies' chances. I mean, good, like I said, good for the Padres, but you look at this from a national standpoint and from a market standpoint. I mean, there's been talk that in order for the Phillies to get Tyler Maley, they're going to have to give up a top five prospect. The Nationals just got C.J. Abrams. I mean, don't get me wrong, Mackenzie Gore, Robert Hassel, they're good prospects, 
but nowhere near the asking price of what it should have been for Juan Soto. I mean, it's, th- Dave, this is absurd to me, and this is pure reaction. Like I said, this is as everything's coming in, this is I'm giving, I'm feeding the microphone my pure reaction. I know we've really only talked about Juan Soto in this episode, but that's what breaked on air. It's complete chaos. Uh, but I mean, this is, this is absurd from a national standpoint. I don't know how Mike Rizzo continues to be your GM, uh, at 12:30 PM today, because if I was the owner of the nationals, even though he probably had a say in the trade, of course, I would get rid of Mike Rizzo. Definitely. Because this is, this is, this is bad for the nationals. Well, the fact that now they gave up Josh Bell for Eric Hosmer, like, I don't know what crept into Mike Rizzo's mind when they mentioned Eric Hosmer and paying the rest of his three years, $39 million that's left on his contract in order to get Josh Bell. You know, it's, it's, it's just – it's amazing to me how a front office like that can now, you know, take on a contract of Eric Hosmer who is – you know, not a not the offensive talent that Josh Bell is. You know, maybe he has a better glove, but it, performance doesn't matter at this point. It, it, it doesn't. You know, you're getting you're you're getting to pay more salary is what this is for the Nationals. You know, it, maybe that's what it took to get Mackenzie Gore into the deal or whatever have you. But it it just it, it seems like um, San Diego did everything that it could um, to be able to. Um, fork off, so to speak, Eric Hosmer, and in order to get Josh Bell, and they were able to, you know, kudos to San Diego for being able to get a deal like this done. Um, I, I, this definitely puts Washington in the backseat on anything else. You know, this it's just absolutely amazing that the Padres were able to even come close to getting a deal like this done, you know, and the fact that you know, I can imagine the Dodgers, you know, their reactions probably, you know, like, what? Like, I, you know, yeah. and I, I'm i with them. True. You know, I'm with them because, you know, you had a team, you have a team like the Cardinals who's, you know, got prospect depth. You got the Dodgers who, you know, they've traded a lot of that over the past few seasons, you know, to get guys like Trey Turner, Max Scherzer, Manny Machado and guys like that. But, you know, they still have something there. You know, and they had a trade package and, you know, we were hearing rumors about the Dodgers and the Cardinals also upping the ante on their trade packages to try and keep up with San Diego. But I don't know what they weren't offering that doesn't compare to something like this. You know, I, I want to know where they missed out and I want the details, you know, but I, I guess, you know, hopefully we'll get um, some sort of semblance of, you know, what the information is on um, you know, the different trade packages that came out, but we might not hear about that for another few months. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating, uh, being a Washington Nationals fan. It definitely is at this point. Eric Hosmer also has a, uh, no trade clause. So in order for the trade to go through, he has to agree to go to the Nationals. Uh, so that may hold up something for a little bit. I, I'm not, I'm not so sure what, what will happen there, but I mean, that's that. I mean, like I said, this is just, and, and as you said, Dave, all of the players that the Nationals got are going to be good players. And, and that's, I don't think that's really disputed. They all have done a really good job in the minor league. CJ Abrams has done a good job in the major league so far. So has Mackenzie Gore before getting injured. But as you alluded to, Dave, the point is, is that Juan Soto is already there. He's already a generational superstar. You don't have to 
worry at all about Juan Soto in the major leagues. He is the bona fide superstar that you build around. I can't say the same that C.J. Abrams and Mackenzie Gore and Robert Hassel and all the other prospects are going to be good uh, or going to be superstar players. I don't. I can't tell you that. Of course, no one can tell you that. And look, C.J. Abrams is going to be a good player. But what are the chances he becomes Juan Soto to that caliber? What are the chances that Mackenzie Gore becomes, you know, the next Max Scherzer? I mean, not probably not super high. I mean, can they all be good players? Absolutely. But you just traded away a superstar. One of the game's best. And they didn't even make a legit contract offer to Juan Soto. That's what's super crazy to me. And you cannot convince me that the Nationals are, like, you can't convince me that they're trying to compete right now. You, you just can't. Because, and especially as you said, Dave, too, Josh Bell is having a good year in his own right. And you would think that Josh Bell himself should have gotten at least one or two prospects back from that are good prospects. You combine them hoping to get more. And in order for you to do that, the Padres force you to take on that humongous contract of Eric Hosmer, but the Nationals don't make any effort to re-sign Juan Soto? I mean, that's 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 what that's the crazy part to me. But I mean, we've talked about Juan Soto enough. But the reason why I guess we have is because I mean, this is really never be- never seen before territory in Major League Baseball, right? I mean, how often does a player like this forget Major League Baseball sports? How often does a trade like this happen? Not often, and that's why when we talk about the package coming back is we've heard about how how expensive this market is, how the seller's market is so intense. We've heard that from Phillies beat reporters. We've heard that from major league sources. We've heard that from so on and so forth. But this package, to me, is not the equivalent to Juan Soto. And to be honest, I don't know if there is a package that is equivalent to getting the talent of Juan Soto. But you at least have to try. And it seems like, to me, the Nationals were like, you know what? We don't want to pay Juan Soto the $500 million. At this point, there's only six more hours left to go. This is probably the best trade we're going to get and as of right now, and we're just going to take it. Uh, and that's what I think happened, is the Nationals were just like, hey, you know, the Cardinals are not going to give us Dylan Carlson. Uh, you know, they're not going to give us Carlson. The Dodgers, they're probably not going to give us Gavin Lux or whoever, and we're just going to decide to just, take this package from the Padres and so be it. And if that's the case, I mean, that's, that's embarrassing, but I mean, this is just a once this is, this, this trade doesn't happen in major league baseball. It barely happens in sports. That's how, that's the magnitude of this trade right now. And the stove is hot. We'll see what else happens because there's still some other big pieces yet to be traded. And you know what, Dave, the interesting thing to me now is that you you could say, you know, as a fan of the game and just from seeing the, this seismic movement and the trade that just happened with Juan Soto and Josh Bell and whatever have you, you can now say maybe this changes the scope of the way that the market is now operating. Maybe because of this trade, because it is the biggest trade of the trade deadline, that this changes the price on some of the talents out there. And that, that very well could be. Maybe this plays into the Phillies' favor. And maybe this allows them to go out and get somebody or multiple pieces that 
maybe come at a lesser cost. We'll have to see what happens, right? I know a lot of teams aren't going to want to, you know, change the way that they're um, markets are shaping up or the amount of prospects that they're getting in return. But at this point, it, it does. It seems like maybe this could change the way that the market goes and, and could shape in favor of the Phillies, like I said. But um, just touching on some Phillies news before we get too out of the conversation here. Um, you know, we talked about the Phillies trading for Mundo Sosa and having him under team control. Um, the, the Phillies and Blue Jays are rumored to be in on Noah Syndergaard and, you know, the the Phillies and the Twins on Tyler Maley. So, I mean, there is interest in starters out there. Obviously, middle line starters, nobody top of the line, but the Phillies don't want to give up, you know, their top prospects either. And then, you know, the Phillies scouted Marco Gonzalez in his latest start. Um, the, the Phillies also showed interest in some outfield or some outfielders in Jackie Bradley Jr. and Ramon Laureano. Um, I was hearing some stuff about Brandon Marsh from Jim Salisbury, and um, I was hearing some stuff on Brett Phillips since he was DFA'd by the Rays. You know, but a lot of these guys, especially the, in the center field department, these are guys that don't typically swing the bat well. You know, these are guys that are very defensive, heavy center fields. And now I know that's what the Phillies were aiming for. But I think if you are the Phillies and you go out to try and get somebody, it would be nice if you could bring back somebody who has a little bit of thump in that bat, you know, and that's why, you know, Ramon Laureano would be a good pickup because he's at least got something in the bat. You know, you go out and you get a guy like Brett Phillips or JBJ, you're not getting anything. You know what you're getting in that bat and that's a whole you know, you, they're going 0 for 3, 0 for 4, and they're getting a hit once every two games. And it's probably a single at best. So um, it, it's it, it'll be interesting to see where the Phillies go and where they pivot. I mean, the, the trade market is working its way a little bit thinner. I know um, I was hearing some rumors on the Rockies interested in po- potentially moving Chad Cool, who is, you know, a guy who presumably the Rockies acquired uh, this offseason to try and flip. So, I, I mean, and I'm not really too interested in Chad Cool. I just figured it would be something to bring up, you know. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, the the Phillies, in my opinion, um, maybe go after Noah Syndergaard. Um, Brandon Marsh would be interesting. He's still really young yet, so I think the return on him would be kind of high. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens in that department. But then you had Kansas City's market, who's been heating up over the past 24-ish hours, really the past 12 hours. And Scott Barlow could be a piece that the Phillies go after. Now, I know the Phillies aren't, you know, really laser focused on bullpen help right now because the bullpens actually come together, cross my fingers, um, for a lot of different guys in their bullpen. So, you know, starting pitcher, I think, is top of the line for the Phillies radar right now. That's their top priority. And then you go and look at center field. You see what's out there and what you could play with and maybe get some ideas. And then you go after your relief pitchers. But right now, um, Dave, it seems like the most likely trade candidate that the Phillies are going to go after is Noah Syndergaard. He looks to be on their radar. Now, see, I think it's between Syndergaard and Tyler Maley at this point. Uh, Maybe the Phillies surprise us with something else. But, um, you know, I mean, the Phillies don't typically surprise us at this time of year. But anyway, (laughs) um, no, uh, Noah Syndergaard, I think, is going to be a little bit more reasonably priced when we go to look at, uh, you know, compensation in terms of prospects. I, I think for Noah Syndergaard, because the Angels are in a position right now 
where, you know, they've decided, okay, maybe we're not going to, you know, hold on to these type of guys because we know we're not going to make it to the playoffs this year. Maybe they let Noah Syndergaard go for a little bit less. Um, I, I think Tyler Maley, uh, he's always had really good upside for the Reds. So I do think that his price is going to be a little bit higher than Noah Syndergaard. Maley's got really good stuff, great fastball. Um, he's got a really good uh, changeup that he works off his fastball. Um, it's like a changer split. It's like a splange up. That's what it is. And uh, Maley's got a really good one. He gets a lot of strikeouts. Uh, I know Syndergaard throws a little bit harder, uh, but Syndergaard also has been more of a pitch-to-contact pitcher over the past um, few seasons, especially um, struggling to stay healthy. But uh, Syndergaard's thrown some innings this season. Uh, He has the lower ERA, and I think if you're going after um, a pitcher, I don't think Syndergaard would be a bad idea since we know what the Phillies are going after at this point, and I don't think that's going to change. Um, I would have liked them to maybe go after Jose Quintana, uh, but obviously he's off the board now. So it does seem like a Syndergaard Maley matchup, and we'll see who prevails really uh, on the Phillies' radar and who they decide to get. But me personally, I'm going after Syndergaard if I'm the Phillies, if that's what they want to do in terms of not wanting to fork up too many prospects. I don't think you have to fork up as many for Syndergaard, especially since. Syndergaard over the past few seasons, we've seen that teams have sort of, you know, I wouldn't say they've lost interest in Syndergaard, so to speak, but we've seen that Syndergaard has sort of um, left the radar for some people. You know, Syndergaard has not been the type of pitcher that he was early on in his career with the Mets. A lot of teams have recognized that. And I think because of that, the price tag gets lower. And Tyler Maley, unfortunately, I think his price tag stays a little higher. Do I think the next few hours make uh, make a lot of change in terms of uh, the way that the Phillies, you know, go, go after guys? Yeah, but I think it also changes the way that a lot of teams will uh, want to accept prospects, you know, because right now we're coming down to the wire, right? We have less than six hours left and you have teams out there that still need talent. So... Really, the teams that need talent out there now, you would assume after uh, the big trades went down, are these teams that aren't willing to fork up as many prospects. And I think in order to get rid of guys like Syndergaard and Maley and, you know, and Marco Gonzalez, maybe, you know, the, these teams now, I don't think that Marco Gonzalez is really going anywhere, but just, you know, an idea because the Phillies were scouting him. I, I think that a lot of these major league organizations getting rid of these uh, starters are trying to flip them for prospects, they realize that these these teams out there don't want to have to fork up their top prospects for them. So a trade package is going to have to give for the Phillies. Uh, whether it's going to be at 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, or 5.30, 5.45, who knows? You know, But eventually something's going to give way. I think the Phillies are going to come out of this with a starter. With what starter? I don't know. My bet is on Noah Syndergaard, Dave, and um, I, I guess that leads me to um, what you think. You know, do you think that the Phillies, um, their their most likely candidate uh, to to acquire would be a Noah Syndergaard? Um, do you think maybe that trade package from the Angels, if you believe Syndergaard's coming over, do you think maybe that uh, has a Brandon Marsh in the mix? Uh, Do you think that would be appropriate for the Philly center field situation? Or uh, do you think it's going to be a totally different package from a, from a totally different team? What's your take on this? 
Well, here's the thing. I I trust Dave Dombrowski, and I know that in the beginning of the podcast, and, uh, you know, I, I, I think the Phillies should be more active than where they are as of right now from what is seen on an outside level. But something to keep in mind is that since Dave Dombrowski has come to Philadelphia, the Phillies have been a very quiet team when they got Castellanos, when they got Schwarber, when they made different signings, even last year when they, when they made the trade for Kyle Gibson uh, and um, Ian Kennedy, they were very quiet. Uh, and I think that the Phillies have that same approach of the deadline this year. Um, I still trust Dave Dombrowski. I think that he's working on something. I'm hoping that it's something different than what we're looking at. Because I don't love Noah Syndergaard. His peripherals are not bad. His 3.8 ERA is not what it actually shows to be. His expected ERA is in the mid-fours. He's uh, getting older. His velocity has been a little bit down. And an important thing to remember is the Angels have also been running a six-man rotation this season. Syndergaard has been pitching in a six-man rotation. How does that affect the Phillies? Well, it could affect them in a big way uh, if they're trying to keep Syndergaard from getting injured. Uh, I don't like that move at all. Uh, I like Tyler Maley. I think he's an okay, uh, you know, option for the Phillies. I think he's probably the best option out there. Um, I, I've heard the Reds asking price is pretty high. As you said, Dave, as we get closer to 6 p.m., that definitely could change. Uh, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I like to think that Dave Dombrowski is working on something else, uh, whether that's, uh, you know, a Pablo Lopez, uh, Carlos Rodon trade, of some sorts. Uh, I know that that's definitely crazy, but, you know, Dombrowski has been known to to get rid of prospects before. And, you know, as I was pretty much saying, the only two untouchables for me in the Phillies farm system is Mickabel or are Mickabel and Andrew Painter. Anyone else, in terms of my opinion, is fair game. Uh, the Phillies do not need Logan Ohapi. They do not need Raphael Marchand. They're good pieces. I like both of them, but they don't need them. Griff McGarry, uh, the Phillies have advanced him above schedule. He was in single A. They rushed him up to double A. That could have been used to possibly in a trade piece. I like McGarry. It's good stuff. I know you like him, Dave, but I wouldn't, that wouldn't stop me. He would not stop me from getting a Carlos Rodon. Um, that's just my opinion. Um, well, I, and I, I mean, like Carlos I don't Rodon know. a lot. I don't know because the opt out after this year for Carlos Rodon scares me a little bit, right? The Phillies would have to be aggressive to be able to try and you know, lock up Rodon because having an opt out after this season, obviously you don't want to have to go giving up a Griff McGarry who has tremendous stuff, you know, to start out his uh, minor league career. So um, that part of it scares me a little bit, right? Would I be willing to part with a Griff McGarry if it meant, you know, we could guarantee uh, Carlos Rodon to stay in Philly over the next few years? Yeah, I I wouldn't mind that at all. That's the only part that scares me with Rodon. You know, so um, ju- just wanted to put my, you know, two cents in there and, you know, no, may- maybe you sense. think the same I, I way thinking about that. I don't know, but, you know, I'll, I'll yeah, hand it back over. Here's the thing with the opt out. I here's the thing. I don't think the Giants, I think last year was a fluke for the Giants. They had everything go their way. The Giants, in my opinion, they they pretty much were handed a golden ticket. And 
I, that's just the way that I view it. I know you may view it in a different way. Um, I know the people listening may view it in a different way. I just think the Giants had everything that went their way last year. They had players that were barely nowhere to be seen in their prospect system that came up and got big hits for them. That doesn't happen often. It doesn't happen two years in a row, and you're seeing it. You know, this year, they have not been that same team. They've uh, they've struggled recently. Uh, they're not on the same pattern they were. And I wouldn't blame Carlos Rodon if he decided to you know, opt out. But I think if he comes to Philadelphia, I think the Phillies have their window open. Uh, I think the Giants, they were rushed. They were supposed to go into a rebuild. And then last year, they started off really hot and they were like, okay, wait a second. Maybe we're not. Let's push towards it. And they did. They won over 100 games. They did a decent job in the playoffs. But now they've kind of come back to reality. And I think that the Phillies, their window is open longer. I think the Phillies are willing uh, to go over the tax. They're already over the tax. They may be willing to go over it more, of course. And I think that Carlos Rodon can recognize that and decide to stay with the Phillies in that contract. Um, but like I was saying, you know, Griff McGarry, Logan O'Hop, that doesn't stop me from trading for uh, Carlos Rodon. And the reason why it doesn't stop me is because the Phillies make it to the World Series somehow. It's all worth it. I mean, even if they lose the World Series, think about going to the World Series with the chance of that. It, I, to me, it's worth it. That's that's to where I am. Especially if you win it, it's worth it. To me. That's where I'm at with, with the trade. Um, where I'm at with the Phillies pieces. And the Phillies have pushed the all-in button. Getting Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos was the all-in button. It was, it was uh, to me at least, it was the all-in button. We're over the luxury tax. Our lineup with, with Harper and Segura being healthy is amazing. Our rotation is very good. Uh, you know, Wheeler, Nola, and, you know, Ranger Suarez, or maybe even Tyler Maley can match up against anybody. And the bullpen has done a good job recently. Sir Anthony Dominguez has been lights out. Corey Knable is finally starting to become Corey Knable again that he was last season. Connor Brogdon has been great. Alvarado has done better recently. Bellotti has been a diamond in the rough for the Phillies. And that was the all-in button. Okay, Schwarber Castellanos, all-in. And here we are again, similar to where we were last year of this, oh, well, we're looking at these middle of the road players trying to get us to the, you know, the, the finish line somewhere. But the Phillies have to make a decision if they're all in or not, because you can't continue. Oh, well, the Phillies are going to go over the luxury tax for the next five years, but they're going to continue to do this, you know, the trade deadline where they go after one decent piece. And it's like, oh, we're done. We're done. And by the time that some of the prospects get to the major leagues, it could be 2026, 2027. By then, you're looking at past primes for most of the Phillies core right now. You can't wait that long. That's where I'm at. I think that Andrew Painter and Mick Abel could be ready 2023, 2024, not at the start of the season for 2023, but I think at some point, Andrew Painter could be ready. I wouldn't be surprised if the Phillies rush him up there 20 years old and say, here you go. If, if he's advancing that quick through the system, because I, I watched him the other day, he's, has amazing stuff. Um, but besides those two players, I'm fine with trading anyone. Uh, and that's just my opinion about it, because I think you've pressed the all-in button. You've seen the Cardinals, uh, you know, try to make moves with Quintana, the Padres. I mean, look what they're doing right now. Um... And the Phillies have to find a way to keep up, and they're eight games over 500. The team has played well enough without Bryce Harper, without Gene Segura, to show that they are a serious contender. Okay, they have winning records against the Dodgers, the Brewers, 
I mean, uh, who else do they have winning records against? Why am I why am I forgetting? But uh, the Braves, they have a five and five record against the only good team that the Phillies have faced. And I mean Dodgers. I'm talking about Brewers. Talking about Cardinals. The only good team that the Phillies have a bad record against is the New York Mets. And if that's the only good team that the Phillies are going to struggle against in the National League without Bryce Harper and Gene Skira, I'm fine with that. That's, I mean, of course, you got to beat the Mets eventually. But my point is, is the fact that they've shown that they can beat good teams, even without Bryce Harper and Gene Segura. So when they come back and you get a Rodon, or this is on you get a Tyler Maley and an Ian Happ, a name we haven't talked about too much in Ian Happ. That's the difference, in my opinion. The Phillies, I don't think they're as far away as some people think they are. Their lineup is top 10 in baseball. Their rotation is top 10 in baseball. Their bullpen can be top 10 in baseball. But they have to shore up the starting rotation by getting a third or fourth starter that can help this team. And if they get a number two like Rodon, then that's great. But remember, the big key here, if you get to the playoffs, is the pitching, in my opinion. And Zach Wheeler and Aaron Nola, in my opinion, when they're on, they can beat any team, any team. And the Phillies, by getting a Tyler Maley or getting a Carlos Rodon, allows Ranger Suarez to go to the bullpen. And that is a major weapon for this ball club. And you can even keep Ranger Suarez in the rotation if you play a five-game series, whatever it is. But this is what we're, ta- we're talking about pitching. And we're talking about the Phillies want to get to the playoffs and that's how you have to work it. Pitching wins championships. And the Phillies, their lineup is good enough. Their bullpen has been decent enough. But they need to shore up their rotation the back half so that they can allow Ranger Suarez or, you know, Kyle Gibson to be able to pitch out of the bullpen, which frees up Jerry's Familia, which frees up uh, even Nick Nelson, who I think has been very good. But, I mean, this is about trying to improve the team. Noah Syndergaard only advances the team a little bit forward. Carlos Rodon, Tyler Maley, they push the team forward. And that's kind of my thoughts with the Phillies. I know that was a long rant, but that's that's where I'm at right now. Right. Well, I just wanted to touch on uh, the the starting rotation right now and the number five spot, how, you know, they've been running Christian Sanchez out there, you know, Bailey Falter, guys of the like, you know, Nick Nelson. And I'm not saying that Nick Nelson is, you know, terrible, but he's definitely somebody you want to have as a long man in your bullpen instead. You know, so going out there and uh, getting a starting pitcher is definitely, you know, tops on the Phillies radar right now. And so that's why we're talking about it. But, um, you know, I, I also wanted to touch on the the fact that the Phillies are uh, in a position right now where they're kind of in limbo. You know, I mean, we, we normally talk about the Phillies in limbo anyway, because that's where the Phillies are, you know, but, um, you know, just looking at the teams like the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Padres, uh, the Astros, you know, the different teams like that, the Braves, you know, like these these teams have it figured out and they know uh, what they need. They go out and they get their pieces, right? But these teams also are deep with um, with their farm system, unlike the Phillies, right? And the, like we've mentioned, the Phillies are top heavy and they have pitching, they have catching, and they have a few other pieces here and there. But, you know, like we talked about, that's the problem with the Phillies. Now they have to compensate for that. They have to still retool to get that depth to be able to make a monumental move, which I th- I think with Dave Dombrowski in the office, I think that we are ballsy enough to make something happen. But I think it also needs to go the other way as well. Like we can't just go out there, throw players at teams and expect, 
you know, a, a return on a guy, I think, you know, we need a deal to go both ways. Um, and we're going to need, we're going to need talent for talent. And that's where the Phillies are at at this point. We need a trade right now where the Phillies are going to have something that, you know, obviously allows them to remain competitive in a competitive trade market right now and in the playoffs, you know, because let's, let's be honest, the Phillies can't miss another playoff opportunity. You know, their, their last, um, their, their last look at the, at the playoffs was 2011. So we're, we're over a decade into this and there has to be some sort of movement for the Phillies. Um, I, I do think that they make the wild card. Right. I, I think um, if the Cardinals don't make any other real big um, moves other than Jose Quintana, I, I think the Cardinals are kind of stuck right outside of it unless uh, they decide to get really hot and go on a stretch where they win, you know, 10 games or, you know, 10 of their next 12 or something like that, you know. But right now, I do look at the Phillies as a wild card team. Um, do I think that they have it in them to go further? Yes. Do I see them being a World Series team? No, I don't. You know, not this year, personally. But um, also looking at the salaries, you know, we have we have Didi coming off the books. We have Gene also, uh, Kyle Gibson, Zach Eflin. So we're going to have some spots in the starting rotation that um, we're, we're going to need to hunker down on. And I don't think that the Phillies are going to, you know, go chasing after Zach Eflin, at least not at the price that he's probably going to ask for. You know, and um, Kyle Gibson, you know, he, he's older. Uh, he's obviously <clears throat> a guy who's been, for the most part, you know, reliable for the Phillies for what he's been. So... I can't say that Gibby's played um, horrendous when he's been expected to be a number four or five starter. So um, really, uh, money's coming off the books right now. Um, you you have a position where the Phillies really need starting pitching, uh, but you're also in a position where the Phillies have starting pitching to trade. But do you trade it or do you keep it and try and um, win in the long haul? And that that that's really the question. And I think, Dave, when we debate about this type of stuff, it really could go either way. Because, you know, like we mentioned, the Phillies are in a position right now where they could either hold on to their starters in their farm system and have a really elite rotation, right? Because we know what their starters are, right? We know Mick Abel is going to be a top of the line guy. We know Andrew Painter is going to probably be an ace. We know that Griff McGarry could be a really solid number three starter with great strikeout stuff. You know, so we know what type of talent is there. And we know that there are holes in the rotation that will get filled over the next, you know, two-ish years with these players coming up through the system. So would I be opposed to giving up a Griff McGarry, like I mentioned? No. I wouldn't be opposed to it, but it would have to be the right trade package like um, Dave Dombrowski talks about. You know, this would have to be something that really matches up. And I think in other people's farm systems, I think Griff McGarry plays a pretty big role. You know, I think he's a really significant guy in another person's, in another organization's farm system. So I think that plays as well. You know, when we go and talk about Tyler Maley, and we talk about Griff McGarry being involved in a trade like that. Um, you know, I think because we have um, Abel and because we have Painter, it could get done. But 
is it something that the Phillies are willing to do? You know, and um, we're, we'll see that in another five and a half ish hours um, with the, when the trade deadline's finally here, and um, you know the the trades come to a halt. So um, it, it'll be interesting to see for the most part. Um, and that brings me to ask you, Dave: Is there um, any anything else, any other trade rumors or any other uh, trade talk that you want to have? Before we get into uh, any predictions for the next series versus Atlanta, well, I think that's that's pretty much it. We both ranted a lot, uh, <laughs> especially me. Um, but the Juan Soto deal is still not official. Waiting on Eric Cosmer uh, to approve of his no trade clause to go to Washington. That hasn't been done yet. Oh, he's not. We'll happy. see if it gets done by <laughs> six p.m. So, so yeah, so the deal is not official yet. Uh, but it seems like it's trending that way for the most part, I guess. Um, but I mean, I, I, my plan is to record one tonight, another podcast, if the Phillies do anything, um, if they don't, you know, if they get a Brett Phillips, I, I probably won't record. Um, I'll probably just wait till tomorrow morning, but we'll see if Dave joins me or not. We'll, we'll find out later on tonight. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much all I got. Uh, if you want to talk about the brave series, uh, let's go ahead. Well, um, yeah, going going into the Braves series real quick. Um, uh, of course, it looks like the Phillies are going to be versing the Braves in what what's a two game series, and Nick Nelson will be on the bump in Game One versus Spencer Strider. Strider's been really good for the Braves. You know, has has been a guy who can touch triple digits, has a tremendous slider, has really good stuff. So uh, Strider's going to be a tough competitor on the mound uh, for the Phillies to face tonight. Uh, now the Phillies are um, coming off a series versus uh, versus the Pirates where they were really, really good. And the bats got started uh, later on in the series, but they were able to sweep them in a four-game set, which is really key. And, um, you know, the bats really not going in uh, the first two games, I believe, but uh, the bats really picking it up after that. And, um, you know, Kyle Schwarber, uh, he, he's starting to hit the ball again. Obviously he's a guy who's been batting around 200 this season, but, um, the homers just keep on coming. So expect more of that from Kyle Schwarber. Alec Bohm has been getting earlier on the fastball and has been way better as of late versus it. And really since my last recorded podcast, Alec Bohm has still been tearing the cover off the ball. So I expect him to keep doing that. And, uh, the, the Phillies offense, Seems like it's getting going. Nick Castellanos finally looks like he's starting to hit the ball better. Uh, JT Romuto starting to take the ball the other way with some lift. So th- there is some positive signs, you know, especially since Bryce Harper, um, you know, he he's hopefully going to be able to start rehabbing since he got the, uh, I, I believe it's the stitches out of his um, finger, w- whatever he had, Dave. W- I, do you remember what exactly it was that um, they were talking about? It wasn't, it wasn't a, um, it was the pins. Yeah, pins. So being that, you know, Bryce Harper's going to start making his way back, Gene Segura's um, on his rehab. It, it's It's positive news for the Phillies. And being able to go into a Brave series where uh, right now the the bats are swinging it, and hopefully we can get a you know a decent start out of Nelson and a really good start out of Wheeler tomorrow. Uh, the Phillies are in a good position right now, and that's why you know Dave and I want something to happen at this trade deadline, is because the the Phillies are in a position where they're going to be getting these players back. The offense is starting to turn it on a little bit. I mean, and now I know you're talking about the Pirates. I know that the Pirates are not good, you know, but. We're talking about 
a team right now in the Phillies that has a chance to make it into the playoffs and be able to really shove. And to come out of the trade deadline not making a move for a decent starter and potentially, you know, uh, a center fielder. Now, I know the center fielder market's been thin, but the Phillies have to do something, right? And, um, you know, I mean, you you could say Matt Veerling would be fine out there, and he would. You know, um, Matt Veerling is athletic, he's got speed, and uh, he's swinging an okay bat. You know, he's he's good at lacing one into the gap every now and then. You know, and now the the Phillies also to expect this, the Phillies are going to have their deficiencies, right? Um, his center field has always been a bugaboo ever since Shane Victorino left, and uh, you know we we had Ben Revere. Uh, that that was pretty much our last um, our last hoorah in center field, really. You know, if you want to call Ben Revere a hoorah, I like Ben Revere personally, but um, you know, I mean that's that's been the last of the Phillies in center field having a ton of success. Um, so having a guy like Veerling isn't a total loss. I do think that they're going to make a move to try and bring in a defensive specialist in center field. Uh, I know people on Twitter were talking about Roman Quinn being that guy. And I was just like thinking to myself, like, okay, so you want to bring back a guy who's good at getting injured. And I, I, I get it. Um, you know, having Roman Quinn, who's, you know, a tremendous arm in uh in the outfield and being able to have a guy like that is you know good but having a guy like Brett, Brett Phillips or JBJ I think makes all the difference for defense um is that realistic I think it is so it's not you know it, it's it's not exactly ideal obviously you want to be able to go out there and get a guy like Ramon Laureano who you know can hit home runs and lace him into the gap and stuff like that but um it doesn't look like the Phillies as of right now are in the works for it. We haven't heard anything. And, you know, that goes with the the Ian Happ stuff too. I think, you know, in the perfect world, you know, the Phillies go out and they get Ian Happ and they get Tyler Maley, right? But it doesn't seem like uh, there's there's too much going on there. I mean, Dave and I will update anybody if there is any movement on Ian Happ. But right now, uh, it, it doesn't look like it. Uh, we're looking at a defensive uh, sort of center fielder and a middle of the rotation starter and a Noah Syndergaard or maybe a Tyler Maley if uh, the prospect package sort of, um, you know, wanes for the Reds. But uh, right now, that's what I see the Phillies doing. That's uh, sort of my little prediction for the Phillies. And um, talking about predictions, uh, I guess I'll talk about uh, some player predictions for the series. And I'm just going to ride the hot bats in this one with the Phillies and the Braves and I, I think Alec Bohm's going to have a, another good series. He's been swinging the bat tremendous. Uh, his batting average is closing in on 300. And Austin Riley just eclipsed uh, his 300 batting average and um, got his 10-year extension. So um, both hitters doing tremendous right now. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride both hot bats in this one, Dave. Um, I, I do think that the Phillies have the chance to take this two-game series from the Braves. Uh, what are your thoughts? Do you think that the Phillies go in and uh, split the series, take two, and what are some player predictions? Well, I did uh, talk about this series a little bit on the last podcast, which if you haven't checked out uh, already, everybody out there, I totally recommend doing that, the Pirate Series recap. Uh, but I, I said the other day, I'm going to stick with it. Uh, I think the Phillies split the two-game series um, with the Braves. I think they win tomorrow. 
uh, with Wheeler on the mound. I think tonight's going to be tough. Strider's really good, as you said, Dave. Good fastball, very good slider. Uh, player predictions, as I also said the other day for the Braves, I'm going to go with Austin Riley as well. And for your fight in Phillies, I'm going to take Nick Castellanos. I think August is the month that he gets going. I uh, had a really good series, tremendous series against the Pittsburgh Pirates. You know, I know the Pirates are one of the great, greatest pitching staff in the world. Uh, but I think the Castellanos is starting to heat up again. And I think he has a good series against the Braves. So Castellanos and Riley are my picks. And I think the Phillies uh, split the series with the Braves, which I would not be too upset about. Oh, neither would I, Dave. You know, I mean, the Braves have had momentum. And, um, you know, ever ever since uh, really the beginning of when the Phillies started winning, you know, in June, uh, the, the Braves kept up with them and just kept on winning even when the Phillies weren't. So, you know, kudos to the Braves for that. Um, but just wanted to talk about Nick Castellanos real quick. He, he's a guy who's been struggling with the extra base hits, and it seems like they're starting to come to fruition a little bit. And uh, Nick's able to take that extra bag and he's able to lace him out into the gap, you know, because Nick's problem as of late, you know, was really poking the ball through the infield and that being it. You know, he's he was going one for three, one for four, one for three, one for four. And now it seems like Nick's getting the multi-hit games. He's getting the doubles and stuff like that. Really, I'm just waiting for the home runs to come around, you know, and um, it, it'll be great to see uh, Nick be able to uh, carry that into this Brave series. Um, you know, just like we talk about, you know, the Pirates are not a good team, but you know, the Phillies were able to take advantage of that, get the four-game sweep, and that's what good teams do. So let's hope that they can take that momentum into this Brave series and hopefully be able to take uh, two of two. You know, it'll, it'll be nice to see the Phillies hopefully uh, close some ground in the National League East. Now, yes, they do have the wild card spot, but it would be nice to be able to get some extra wins under your belt, especially being the Phillies and um, being that uh, they're in a position right now um, where they, they could go out and they could get somebody. So uh, we'll see what happens, Dave. Um, and this Brave series is sort of, you know, I mean, we always talk about, um, you know, pivotal moments for the Phillies, you know, but if if they go out and they get a guy like Anoa Syndergaard or Tyler Maley and they have to square up versus the Braves in the playoffs, you know, the, this is going to be big for them. You know, especially because, in my opinion, Jake Odorizzi is not exactly the biggest, you know, I, I mean, he's a name that people know, but I don't think he's a great starting pitcher. You know, I think the Braves went out and they they were a little bit scrappy at the at the trade deadline, really. I mean, unless they do something else to surprise me, but Robbie Grossman, he's hitting just above 200 this year. I know he's an on-base guy, but he hasn't been having a great year. Um, Jake Odorizzi, like we said, so like... Guys like that, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think they make the Braves a ton better. And I think the Phillies have an opportunity to get better before the trade deadline. So we'll see what happens, Dave. Um, but that's pretty much all I have to say. Besides uh, checking out our Twitter at WTT underscore podcast, where we post different content relating to different polls and uh, different stuff regarding new podcast episodes coming out and stuff like that. And uh, make sure to check us out on different podcast platforms from Spotify to Google Podcast and uh, so many more. Uh, but Dave, any last words before we close it out here? Let's hope Dombrowski gets something done. It was great to be back with you again, buddy. Uh, if the Phillies do something, I plan to be back uh, for a podcast tonight, so we'll see what happens. But check out the most recent podcast that I've done over the past week or so. 
And uh, go Philly. Check us out on Twitter at WTT underscore podcast. And as always, we appreciate all the listens. And please share the podcast with your friends and family. Excuse me. Uh, have a great night, everybody. And uh, go Phillies. Let's hope that uh, once the trade deadline passes and uh, once it hits about 930 when I'm about to hit this record button probably tonight, uh, that we're talking about a big trade. Hopefully Carlos Rodon. But that's where I'll leave it. Over to you, buddy, to close it out. Great 70-minute podcast. Right. And we could always cross our fingers. You know, getting a guy like Carlos Rodon definitely turns the game on its head a little bit and makes some teams, hopefully in the NL East and moreover, the, the entire league shake a little bit, you know, because the Phillies have not made those monumental trades over the past few years, especially over the past decade. They have not um, been real big um Real big buyers at the trade deadline. So um, being able to go out and get a guy like Rodon will definitely uh, hopefully make the difference for the Phillies. And Dave, like you said, uh, hopefully helps with Ranger Suarez um, having a little bit of versatility maybe in the playoffs if uh, the Phillies win uh, two out of the first – two out of the first three or something like that. If they win the first two games out of a set of five, maybe they use Ranger Suarez uh, in in a different uh, role. So uh, well, we'll see what happens with this Phillies ball club. Like Dave said, if you want to check us out on a ton of the, uh, on a ton of different platforms out there, uh, check out our Twitter at WTT underscore podcast. And well, this has been your host, Dave and Dave, with the Warning Track Talk podcast. Take care and we will see you guys. And you know what? Before I end it, I will also be on here tonight regarding, you know, any sort of uh, Phillies trade uh, rumors and stuff like that. So just wanted to put that out there. If the Phillies do something monumental or just really anything to make any noise, um, I'll probably be on here with Dave. So just wanted to let you guys all know that. But everybody take care. Thank you for listening. This has been the Warning Track Talk podcast with your host, Dave and Dave. Dave.